You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hey everyone, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today is Jim Fuda. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Um, so I don't know, I haven't known Jim very long, but I, I met Jim recently and through another friend and one of my podcast guests. Jim, I will let him articulate and elaborate what it is he does. But what caught me, what was interesting for me is Jim is involved with um, human trafficking to help change that. It's a very timely conversation uh, and topic right now, especially with the, the Freedom movie that just came out from Jim Caviezel. And I really wanted him to come on uh, for two reasons. One is I wanted him to articulate and really uh, help the audience understand what's going on with this topic. And also just to give a lot of color around what it's like to do what he does um, day in and day out with very heavy, heavy topics, very, you know, things that a lot of us might not be able to go home and just kind of clear our head. I mean, would stay with us. So I think there's a, I don't want to call it a skill set, but there's definitely something that Jim has and others that allow him to do such heavy work and then maybe go home and kind of, you know, let it go. So I'll let him talk a little bit about that. Jim, why don't you just kind of start off talking about what it is you do, maybe a little bit about your experience, how you got into it, and we'll just kind of take it from there. Sure, sure. Um, how it started is uh, a 33-year career with the sheriff's office. When I retired in 2006, I, I was uh, in special operations. I ran the hostage negotiations team for 25 years. So you build a skill set, a set of bonding with people um, uh, in, in more of a crisis situation. And when I first started with uh, uh, the negotiation stuff, there wasn't a lot out about it in the, in the early 80s. And I read Herb Cohen's You Can Negotiate Anything, a business negotiations, and how I, I kind of put that in place is that you're still building relationships, uh, but with uh, a higher price value, you know, human life. Um, so that was part of my career. I, I retired in 2006 and went to work for our federal government. And I worked in Pakistan, Indonesia, and I lived in Banya Luka, Bosnia for 14 months. And it was at that time that I learned more about that more that Eastern European down into South Asia, which would be Pakistan, where I work, and how the Balkan route comes from a lot of it starts in South Asia through the Middle East into the Balkan route and and learned about how the corruption and and some of the human misery that goes through um, um, these particular countries and what what people have to deal with. And it it. Um, when I came home, I, I, a reason I came home from that job then, the time as my mom died, I'm I'm the oldest in an Italian family, and 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 it was time to come help take care of dad as well, and and so when I came home, I came uh, took over with Crime Stoppers of Puget Sound, our local program here. It covers four to six counties uh, and uh, with a, a base of about 4.2 million people. Um, we. Crime Stoppers, what it does is it's kind of a liaison between the police, the media, and the public. Um, detectives come to us uh, with, uh, hey, we need help on this 
uh, this uh, uh, homicide, let's say we've had, and then I um, go to the, to, um, the media and say, okay, uh, who wants this story? And then we put it out there looking for anonymous tips. Anonym and we started using a tip app in November of 2017 um, that changed the, changed the ballgame. Uh, a tip app where people can report crime anonymously through their phone. And I always joke, you know, our, our tips quadrupled, quadrupled overnight and our arrests more than doubled. And why? We're in the gaming generation. I joke I can't get my 17-year-old granddaughter to talk to me on the telephone, but she texts me back in 30 seconds. So taking that concept and how well it works in our country is how that could be utilized from the environment I worked in overseas where corruption is the leading cause. And so we picked seven crimes, human trafficking, terrorism, illicit trade, arms dealing, drug smuggling, cybercrime, and bank fraud. And, and, but let's face it, the key here for me is the humanity and the suffering in the, in the human slave trade. And, um, but we figured that all those crimes are corruption-based, partially um, connected uh, because of the corruption side of things. So I went back with my then partner, Merle Carter, uh, who began the Crime Stoppers program here in the Northwest, and um, went back to Banya Luka, uh, had trusted policemen there, built, uh, had them bring four countries together. We did one press release and had 47 tips. So we learned two things from that beta test. One is a local program can't sustain it. And two, Bosnia is not the place to start because Bosniaks, um, Muslim, Croats, Catholics, and Serb Orthodox, if one likes it, the other two didn't. So we decided to go to Serbia. Uh, they're kind of the leader in the Balkans anyway, in, in that part of the world. So um, it took us two years to build the relationships and and got things started over there. Um, I actually had three trusted Serbs uh, associated with a, a minister of the interior. Uh, they used military ranks. One was a general, a couple of majors, and to learn the operational side of things in February 2020, three weeks later, COVID hit. So we started back November of last year, went back to um, uh, Serbia, um, and also Moldova, they got a hold of us because of the influx of the refugees coming in from the from the war in the Ukraine. Is that it brought a whole new level of of, of uh, corruption. And, and and you have to think is that yes, there's human um, tragedy going on, but there's always people there that are there to take advantage of it. So they were overwhelmed, and so we're starting a program. Uh, there, we were back again in May to get go through all the red tape um, uh, and meet with the appropriate people, get one on their media to sell it to the public. And uh, so just this last week, the app went live in both locations, uh, which was a, a huge ordeal, um, you know, dealing with, uh, well, Apple and, and the Android business and, and all that to, to get things open. So, um, but at this stage of, of my life, it's the point where you, in the movie uh, uh, Sound of Freedom, they use the term, um, God's children are not for sale. And I want to add to that, is that it's the right thing to do. 
Um, having come from the career that I did, no one should ever hire me at age 21, uh, impressionable, but I did. We didn't have the trainings uh, uh, that there, there is out today. We didn't have the emotional support of things back then. PTSD is real. And, um, and, and this is one of my outlets to, to satisfy the knowledge that I gained through my career. I mean, I was a beat cop during the Green River era. My beat was the airport strip when, although I knew most of those girls uh, on a first name basis. And, you know, I went to, I'll tell you one story. I went to one girl who's known as, as Bones 19 for uh, three or four years till they DNA identified her. And her, I, I knew her as Case Annalee. And uh, I went to that, I was at that scene of her bones um, uh, back in my, my young uh, cop days. Um, so this is something that's become a mission for me and, and um, take the expertise that I learned in those other avenues and put it, and I don't have to answer to a police chief. I answer to a board of directors and, and, and they help um, uh, steer uh, the direction uh, that that we're taking this, and the other thing is uh, with uh, Bosnia, not the place to start, is that we formed another group called Crime Stoppers Global Solutions. Where we brought think tank people from around the globe that know the Crime Stoppers concept. Some that are in that field. We got an MI6 guy out of London. Uh, um, uh, we've got a one of our guys that I can't really even talk about that is still doing some 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 missions, but is on our board. Sharp, sharp people, and. Uh, uh, so um, what has happened with our group, the downside is what's happened is the fundraising side of things, because this is a crime that we call hidden in plain sight. Um, there see, might see a streetwalker on the, on the street and they said, well, why didn't she just run away? Because she's under control. These, these people are smart. They threaten them. In many cases, they hold their passports. Um, and uh, um so so they're not free to leave they're threatened their families are threatened so so there's there's more to it and back in the green river day we weren't we weren't taught that stuff it's definitely out there now and and now with like i said with this movie stuff that's just come out it's putting it in people's faces so they are aware of it i always tell in fact i, I give a group to uh, uh to presentations and 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 to bring it home i say okay how many of you guys get pedicures and you know the hands come up, and I say, well, well, look, um, um, is the same girl working on your feet every three, four months that you go, and uh, uh, does the does the woman on your feet, the girl on your feet, even talk to you, or does she talk to the native language uh, to the owner, and the owner's the only one that talks to you? And if that's the case, you are witnessing human trafficking. Someone's holding that girl's credentials and somebody is threatening her or her family that she's that she's not there. The next time you go back, she's not there. There's another girl because they roll them or they rotate them around these uh, these little nail salons. So that's another form of human trafficking. So I want to get I mean, thank you. I want to get deeper into that. Um, but, but before we do that, I, I kind of want to um, I want to provide some color around what is it like to be in your world? Like in terms of what are your days, your weeks, your nights like? Um, but before we do that, going backwards, you know, there's young adults that are watching this and, you know, they're 
everyone's unique. Everyone has their own skills, uh, passions, interests, et cetera. What were yours? Like, what were you like in high school? Were you like a, a rule follower? Like I'm going to save the world and I'm going to be a cop. Like, what was it that got you into law enforcement? Did you jump into it right out of college or high school? Well, that's a funny question. I, I went to O'Day High School hmm. back then with the Irish Christian Brothers. Yep. And I, I was one of those guys that kind of walked a fine line. I mean, I could was a little more adventurous and, on some things. And, and they kept me um, they kept me straight and, and, and I didn't get into any trouble. And it was because of that. And then I was one of the last draftees. Uh, so I went in the military because I was drafted out of college. I I um, they made me an MP because I was in a, in a criminology course. And uh, so I did that. And I was just fortunate at the time that I I. Uh, was getting discharged, I was able to test for the sheriff's office at 20 and a half. Uh, they don't hire till you're 21. So during the process of, of the seven steps it takes to get hired, I turned 21, got discharged and got hired in a 10 day period. So I'm still the youngest county uh, uh, deputy that that was ever hired because just because of that um, uh, just how that flow came out. And I actually worked in the jail for three months before I was even, uh, before there was even a state academy uh, for me to go to. So um, it, that was uh, 73. I was hired in an early 74. I went to, uh, you know, I went to the state academy to before I was, uh, you know, put on the street. Yeah, I, I, I'm asking because, you know, it seems like a lot of times you have people have a natural calling or they're kind of, have a, they're they're leaning towards a certain direction. It, feel, it feels like law enforcement was always kind of, to some extent, part of your DNA. Yeah, and it was it was wasn't about it was one kind of the excitement. I had some friends that were older than me that worked for the Seattle Police Department, and they would let me come around and ride when I was eighteen. And and you know, great guys. And then I just got a, a sense that it wasn't all just about getting the bad guys. It was about helping people and and turning sense out of a cluster and then doing the best you could, giving those people to the services that that were were that were needed and then moving on to the next cluster. You know, so I, and I, I very much enjoyed that and and I was good at it. I didn't like detective work. Detective work was too boring for me, following the, the other clues and things like that. I was I was more of the first responder and, and then was able to to even feed into more of that when I got into special operations. And I joked the big boys with toys. Uh, it was a great assignment. So like if you look in the mirror, you think about like, OK, what is what makes me good? Like what is unique about Jim? And a lot of times we're not used to like complimenting ourselves. But if you look at kind of like why you're good at what you do. I'm curious, like what what are the skills or your the passions or the whatever you want to call it that you're leveraging? Like what makes you good at what you do? Well, I, I think one, it's it's the compassion and the and the the be able to to relate to people. In fact, I, I in the negotiations, you they, what they what you're taught, you have to represent yourself as a real flesh and blood human being, someone who has wants and needs like everybody else. So you have to get on that relationship level. In fact, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking to a suicidal barricade, a guy that that, that was going to want to kill himself. You know, you have to be able to share of yourself. Um, and that's hard for a lot of cops because they're mostly type A personalities. And for, to be able to get down on that level and and relate um, uh, 
to, uh, to, to somebody. And that's how you build that bond and that trust. And, 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 and it, it just seemed to work well for me. Okay. So let me put it in a different way and tell me if I'm on. So the ability to have compassion for people or groups of people that maybe typically type a type cops would never have compassion for like the uniqueness of, you know, even when we talked about the human trafficking and I told you some of the issues that I battle is I'd want to take these guys out. And you were talking about, you know, these are people, humans that maybe went through something when they were children, are, that compassion for uh, a group that you others might want to just eliminate. Uh, it seems very important to have in your line of work. Yeah. And, and how, I, how I like to word that is that is, is, you're absolutely right. That that's a human being, a, a bad human being. But the bottom line is if I use the term, if you take them out, you're no better than them. So let 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 the, the appropriate justice uh, you know, go through those steps and, and then get those people arrested and, and off the street. And, 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 I, and I'm sh sure in some of these other countries, uh, developing countries that, that things are going through is that they are, um, um, they're being handled in the opposite way that, that you talked about. And I'll give you an example. I, I'm going to be back on, on, uh, the, um, a Zoom call tomorrow with the South Sudan with a, a human rights group, and they um, they were in tears the, the first couple of times we talked with them because that that the Americans would even talk to them and want to help them, but the warlords are killing the men. They're putting women and uh, those wives and girls in sex camps, and they're taking the boys as young as five, four or five years old and putting him in work camps. Now, if we can't help with something like that, we're just giving them our technology, but. At the same token, there's got to be some type of vetting process because I don't want my technology being brought uh, uh, to the warlords for their advantage. So that's that's what we're kind of working working through now in 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 Juba, South Sudan, uh, and and uh, we'll uh, we'll discuss more of that that tomorrow. But that's that's part of of uh, of uh, uh, being able to um, separate the good guys from the bad guys, if you know what I mean. I do. Okay. So compassion is one. What's another two, one or two, maybe three things again, like what is it like you've seen people in your line of work that are probably really good at what they do like yourself. You've seen people, maybe they weren't the right fit. I'm trying to kind of focus on the, the attributes and skills that make someone really good in your line of work. Yeah. I, I, I and I, I think, a good mental health is, I think, is very important um, because some of the things that that you probably see out there are um, you're going to have to make some sense and process it yourself. The good thing about police work today is there is a lot of wellness out there that that they're utilizing today. And and another example is when I had a case where um, I had a guy um, shoot and kill a 17 year old girl in front of me. And, and it was a case of uh, uh, he he killed someone on a deadline. And back then, they didn't have uh, post-traumatic stress uh, uh, syndrome um, um, intervention stuff where we'd all come together and talk what we're feeling. I had another incident that, that was turned out really bad too, but I took over the team by then. And I put it in our policy that anytime we have something like this, that the team will go through a critical incident stress debriefing. 
and 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 those actually help um that say you're not feeling this all alone or by yourself so so but the, that mental health is good and i think um physical fitness is is an important part of it as well um that all that kind of all all blends in together because that that stops less issues in my eyes on the street there's a pyramid uh, of uh, uh use of force and one is just your command presence the broad bottom command presence and then it goes you know to the the baton or the mace or the the taser or whatever it might be and the last little bit at the top is is deadly force if you have that command presence uh is is that and know how to talk to people you know with compassion and to be able to relate is that you're not going to fight very much I, 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 that's that's definitely true um and then but when that time comes that let's say you go to a shooting call or you or like now we're, we're seeing these active shooter calls is that you will have that mindset you know along with the training that that you can overcome come that threat with with uh with like i said with the the proper mindset the the mental strength your training and your physical uh physical abilities and and uh because uh, the idea is is that you know you want to go be able to go home to your families each you know each and every night i mean that's the number one priority yeah i um recently i interviewed my cousin who just retired he's a cop and his uncle or my uncle his father was a sheriff in kalamazoo michigan and i was talking to him about getting into police work law enforcement and one of the things he had mentioned that i wanted to get your thoughts on he goes if you are going to go down this road you have to realize the eyes or the camera are always on you 24 7. So you're basically, um, you know, you, you've got to follow protocol. You got to do things the right way. My question is sometimes when you're dealing with a situation, I don't know if this is the right way to say it. The right way maybe doesn't translate to success. Like sometimes you've got to um, roll up your sleeves and, and I guess I'm trying to ask it and I'm not doing a good job, but like to be effective in your line of work, um, it sometimes it feels like being political or you know trying to do it where you had a video camera on you won't be effective like right. where's the line between being effective and being uh, you know bending the knee and being political well here here here's I, I get what you're saying and and what it is use of force justified or not is never pretty and it's all it's going to look bad on on uh, on tape just i i guess i would just suggest don't escalate it you know, um, and you know, you could have everything calmed down, and somebody comes in with a smart mouth, you know, and then it it all all blows up again. And uh, you know, I I'd worked with cops like that in the past. Uh, um, uh, one that uh, didn't last very long on the department because he he uh, was one of those guys that, and I'm going to speak frankly here, is is one of those guys that appeared to have been been uh, the underdog. His, his, you know, his whole life through, you know, through school, through everything, and this was going to be his chance uh, to take it out on the rest of the world. And and he didn't last very long. He tried to play a tough guy, and and he, he didn't he didn't fare well. And, and 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 those are not the people we want. What are the people you want? Like if someone's listening to you and they're thinking, "Do I fit? Would I work well? Would I, you know, align with this career choice?" What are the you know the two or three four ideal fits that you see men and women coming through that would do well in this world well i think some of you what you have to think about too is that are 
and and this is what was one of the questions when, when I hired on, well, close to 50 years ago now, it is 50 years, I can't believe it, is that, uh, um, is that are you willing to work shift work? Are you willing to work nights and weekends and holidays? And so if you, if you are willing to do that, um, and those are times that you're you're going to have to give up with your uh, from with your with your family. Um, and we I worked mine out to where we did it at you know different different uh, a diff, maybe a different day uh, uh, day before day after or whatever is we could we could do it together. Uh, but uh, that's that's a that's a priority. That's going to take a toll on your personal relationships. Um, uh, but the rewards of of doing it, there's something about I don't know the night being out and making sense of and going in and helping people and separating the 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 misery that some people go through and 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 and, and sometimes being people's babysitter. I I remember being 22 years old going to a family fight on Skyway and some guy says nothing but a damn punk. He said if I wanted a kid to settle my family uh, fights, I go wake up my 27 year old son. You know that those kinds of things. Uh, so you, you know, you just have to have a comment. I says, well, then why why am I here? Uh, if you know, if if uh, uh, you should be able to uh, handle this, then if I'm just some you know some some young young kid, but but I was sent here, so let's make this work. You know, and then you get the guy talking to you, and you know, decrease the the tension. But I I think that's a um, uh, that's a, a key is is the knowing going well into it some of the things that you're that you're going to have to give up and you're going to be in going to some uh um some calls you don't know don't want to go to and don't know how you're going to be you know deal with those you know a uh, uh, prime example to me is sid deaths uh, uh, or uh, or like i said or the sexual abuse of minors is was uh was always tough um for me to uh, uh to go to go handle and and um but uh, but I think, like I said, positive attitude, knowing you're with a, a, a group, the pride in in what you do, and uh, um, and the the ability to think quickly on your feet and fit what the what the call you're on, fit that in to the RCW, the Revised Code of Washington, and and what constitutes a crime in, in that, and and uh, and move and and move that forward, and you know, just be a you know, be a champion for your community. So you were uh, in the sheriff and are you, were you a sheriff or just a cop for how many years? I did 33 years. I was a, I was a, a sheriff's deputy. And then I was a, a, a sergeant that they basically called commanders in special operations, which ran a, a mainstream unit and then several ancillaries. Okay. So now you're crime stoppers. You're dealing with those seven issues, primarily human trafficking. You mentioned something about like, get used to, missing birthdays, missing holidays, night shifts. You know, one of the things that I think a lot of young adults don't think about are is the lifestyle associated with choosing a career. My dad was a pilot, you know, and I could never be a pilot. I would never want to miss my kids' birthdays, holidays. I want to wake up, go to bed with them. You know, the freedom uh, or the control of my schedule is key. In your first chapter, a few chapters of your career, you may not have had the power or the control of your schedule. You had to be open to doing what they in your world now in the nonprofit is it night and day i mean do you feel like you can control your schedule and it, it, it but it's it is 
I can't control the schedule, but I keep it open seven days a week if I if I'm around. And some days I might work three hours, some days I might work ten, and some days I may not work at all. Um, but I'll give you an example. My wife and I were just in Europe, and I did a Zoom interview uh, on a, uh, uh, a homicide deal that happened in Seattle, and I did a Zoom call from uh, from my hotel room. And, and it was one of those things where I had to do my research on it because I'd been gone and, and talk with the reporter and then did the Zoom interview that ended up during that night. I, I had friends telling me, texting me going, I thought you were on vacation. I just saw you on TV, you know, that. So, but so you have to, uh, so I'm able to adapt and I'm comfortable with that. And my, my wife is very flexible uh, with me, uh, uh, for me to do that. So it, it works well for, for us. So when duty calls, you have to be ready to roll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about like compensation? Like, you know, maybe it's different. Like, is that a big driver for you? Because if somebody's interested in law enforcement or getting involved, but maybe they have attachment to wanting to make a lot of money. Uh, I'm not asking you what you make, but like, what is compensation structures in your industry? Well, it, it's it's huge now. I remember when I hired on in, in 1973, the pay was 688 a month. And I was going, God, if I could just break uh, uh, 10 grand a year. And then I was complaining in in 2006, the year I retired, I'm complaining if I'm not making 10 grand a month. Uh, and, but but it was um, now with the hiring incentives and and uh, uh, and with the overtime uh, that's out there is that is that you can do very well in in this uh, in, in this line of work. It's not what it used to be. And and how when things were that low way back when and even uh, on the East Coast was surprisingly it was even lower is that that bred corruption inside the ranks because people couldn't they couldn't afford to do the job uh, and so they 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 compensated in other ways once the pay rates went up a lot of that corruption went away so when you say this line of work i mean being in, working for crime stoppers versus being a cop or i'm, I'm talking law enforcement now strictly law enforcement not the law, no. not the nonprofit side okay and, and uh uh, so my, my line of work is is and i'll, I'll speak frankly i get I, I get a retirement check uh, from the sheriff's office. I don't pay any medical. Uh, my retirement system uh, pays every di a dime of it. And now that I'm on Medicaid, I, th th they take a little bit of chunk of that out of my social security every every month. However, I, at the end of the year, that turns out to be like 4,500 bucks. I submit that to the county and they give me a check back for it. So that's my that's one of the benefits of, of, of my, my system. Um, but Crime Stoppers pays me. Uh, the local program, and I don't take any money um, from the international program. Uh, that's this. That's something that I'm doing extra. And and, and I, I don't know. Maybe with the board that we have, maybe that'll change when we get when we can get fully funded. I, I don't know. I, I speak honestly, but but uh, um, it, it's it's what I, I I want to do, and that's the the passion that drives it. And the local program helps support that with the drive of that technology that we use that got us into the inter international uh, side of things. And, and it started, and I'm proud to say it started here in the Northwest. Yeah. And I don't mean to pry on comp money and your situation. I'm just trying to give a little bit of color around what people can expect. Yeah. If so they go course, down yeah. Yeah, if they go down this road. And it's interesting because, you know, when you have the passion like you do, 
and you're, you're, you're vested emotionally. Um, you know, maybe money becomes kind of a byproduct, like it's, you know, not as important, right? When you're doing something you truly believe in. Um, as far as uh, something that has surprised you, like, you know, maybe it took you 20, 30 years, 15 years. If, if there's anything out there that just kind of caught you off guard, like, oh my God, I didn't see this as part of what I do or this career. I wish somebody would have told me this when I was 22. Is there anything like that? Mine, I, I, I decided that's what I wanted to do early on. Um, I, I may have wanted to go up the ranks a little higher, but what, but I was a single data too. And I couldn't afford a pay cut because once you're out of the guild, you, you know, you don't get overtime. And I, I had three call out units. You know, I had the hostage negotiations team. I had search and rescue. Uh, and I had the honor guard uh, that, that I, I officially formed in 1991. And, and uh, um, so I, I, I couldn't afford the, to, to go, you know, to move up the ranks in, in that regard. So um, I might have, have been less focused on the stuff I was really good at and got out of my comfort zone a little bit more. And, got, you know, I, I just never felt of myself as a pencil pusher kind of guy. And, uh, uh, but that was my own personality. But I, I might of the last five years of my career might have tried to do something a, a little bit uh a little bit different, but I, I can't. I can't have regrets for that because what that did is set up my later career. Okay, that's what got me. I set up hostage negotiations teams in in Pakistan. Uh, I set I set them up in in uh, in the Republic of Srpska in Bosnia. You know the five the five uh, 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 security centers, and uh, um, so it was these kinds of things that got me the job with the feds in the first place, and. I had that set up because um, um, I wrote the demonstration management course for Indonesia after, right after WTO happened here. And, and um, uh, so that got my name in the door before I was ready to retire. And so uh, I'd already been to Indonesia a couple of times while I was still working, taking vacation. So I could still, I get paid from the feds while I was gone. And, and then, so I had my name there. So I pick, kept my name current with them and I retired in St. Patrick's day, 2006. And on, on the 22nd, I was on a, fl a flight to Pakistan. So it, it, it did well for me. So you can yeah. set yourself up. I, I know other cops are doing the same thing. The ones that are, that are, um, uh, homicide detectives, especially now the cold case ones, they're 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 doing all kinds of great things, um, uh, helping and podcasts and and giving information out to people. Uh, Cloyd Steiger and uh, another one friend that that retired as a homicide detective with the Seattle Police Department, he's doing all sorts of things and and teaching and, and getting the word out to, to people. And 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 in my eyes, a lot of people might like that investigative side and that's the part that I, I didn't care for but there are so many avenues you can take in in police work um uh you know you, you don't stay especially with a larger agency you don't come in and if you want to stay on as a beat cop do it but you can go off into into warrants you can go off into homicide you could you know other detective jobs you can work narcotics you can work bank robbery task forces uh or or promote up so there's a variety of different skill sets and different trainings that 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 you can get to hone your skills and and do do different things as you uh as you climb up the ranks yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because not you know 
there might be 10, 20 flavors of people that would do well in law enforcement sure. that are, you know, an introvert. I mean, someone very so, I mean, there's different, different opportunities is basically what you're saying. Right. Um, if you were to do it again, just curious, like if you were coming out of, I don't know where you went to school, but you said at 20 and a half, you interviewed, I think, which was kind of unique. But if you could turn back the time, the tables a little bit, would you have gone down the same route or would you have bypassed being a cop and maybe got into something else? Here, here's, that, that's, that's a great question. Is there's, there's sometimes I think about, especially having worked overseas now, and the the kind of that expat being assigned to an embassy uh, with Department of Justice or or the State Department, and doing some of those missions in in different countries, you know that I always kind of had that that more I don't know if you want to call it entrepreneurial thing, but rather than you know, the nine to five kind of thing. But I having worked in that now from from my early fifties is that that kind of excited me as well so i would have i would have liked to have kept my job for 20 years and maybe uh cuz then i'd have been 41 and still able to 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 you know to work some of these assignments in law enforcement you know overseas which would have been pretty cool too i think yeah i agree i've always been fascinated you know my brother lived in egypt for a while and i i my dad was a pilot and i traveled all over the world with my dad so there's something about other cultures and people that right. I, I find fascinating. You said something about the incentives nowadays to hire. I guess I want to kind of get behind the curtains a little bit on that. Is it hard to find people? And if so, why is that? Well, here's what I'm proud to say is our agencies are not lowing, at least around here, that I, for here, for sure. Other ones, I, I'm not sure, but I don't think they are either, is they're not lowering their standards to take people. And and I and and the, a lot of the qualified people because of some of the culture that that's, that you see that's been going on on um, uh, you know with the anti police movement stuff is that um, uh, they're finding other paths. I would say don't let that discourage you. That's cyclical, and it's going to change. And we're seeing it already with our Seattle City Council here with uh, uh, with five of them not coming, new people coming in uh, and and the, the mainstream is starting to get more fed up with the far left and the far right. And 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 those voices are starting to be heard more. And I think we're going to start seeing that in, in our elections and things are going to change. And um, I would say um, uh, don't let that be your influence if if you feel that this would be a job that you would like to do. Is there anything you could bring up to say, Hey, if you don't like this then don't even consider this line of work, is there something that pops up and maybe another way to ask it is what is it about this job or career that you don't like that? If you could pick one thing and eliminate it, is there something that you should, you know, again, imagine your 22, three year old son is like, Hey dad, should I go down this road? And you're like, yeah, but you need to know about this. Yeah, I, I, that, that part, I'll be honest, is hard with me is because I, sure, I had my up days, I had my down days working and stuff, but, uh, and some days in the winter, you'd wake up and you didn't know whether it was day or night because you go to bed when it was dark and you wake up when it's dark. But, but what I felt, I never worked a day in my life. I loved my job. That much is that is that it was um, uh, it was always good to me. I 
I enjoyed, um, I, I guess I enjoyed the stress because I, I enjoyed um, uh, not knowing what was going to happen next. And, and then going, if I could say this, oh shit, look what we're responding to now. And I, I, you know, I can't believe it. Or you go, you stand there with your hands on your hips, go, yeah, that's not something you see every day. You know, it, it's a, like a reality is, could be stranger than fiction. And it, it was, uh, uh, but it was not knowing from day to day uh, what, what was going to happen. Or, or the rookie as your training officer says, God, it's really a quiet Friday. And you look at him and you want to choke him because that's what things all go to hell, you know, but it was, uh, um, I, I, I loved every minute of it. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is there any addiction to the adrenaline rush? Maybe that that could be some of it. And and I I would I'm the kind of guy and, and maybe there's no there wasn't a word for it back then. ADHD. I don't know. But it was it was always good for me to to have that have that and then have the rush. And, and not, not, that's not that's not cocky. That's just a personal feeling because because knowing that. I was seasoned enough, knew what I was doing, and um, out there um, and trying to do the the, the best that, that you could, even in between the radio calls, you know, of of meeting with people and and like for example, talking with the the the, the prostitutes in the Green River era days and and trying to to help them, you know, get out of here. Or one of them, I'd say, "What are you doing out here now? I thought we you told me you weren't coming back. I'm just using the phone booth." I said, but you live in Tacoma. There's got to be 2,000 phone booths between here and Tacoma. Why this one? You know, this kind of thing to where, where they would go, oh, God, there's Fuda again. Uh, and, and he's, you know, he's going he's gonna to ride me a little bit. But it was, it was a, a caring riding. In fact, you know, the, I, I would show him the first seven victims of the Green where We had a, a printout, you know, and I'd show it to him. I said, three of these girls could be your sister, the way they look. Oh, he's not going to get me, Jim. Here's and he pulled out a little pocket knife that was bones 19 and, and uh so um it was uh um you know just trying to do the 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 best you can in in uh in the humanity and uh um just trying to make a difference so what's the question i mean the question i let me see. I'll just ask it the way I wanted to ask it and see sure. how it comes out. Like I was, jo I was going to joke and say, there's gotta be something wrong with you because in the sense <laughs> where like, like when you told me the story a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about the young girl who was, uh, they killed her and they took her organs to sell them like that. I don't know if I could go to bed. I don't know if I could go home and be a good dad, a good husband. I don't know if I could live a normal life if I experienced too many of those scenarios. And, and I guess, you know, I guess I know you're human and we've talked and you're easy. I mean, you're, you're a normal dude, but, but how the hell do you separate it? Like, I mean, there's gotta be times where you're like, I don't know what, I mean, I can't, did you ever come up to a situation where like, I can't do this anymore? Uh, uh, the, the closest I came, um, was a shooting I was involved in. Um, and I'll lay the scenario on. If, if I got time to lay the quick scenario on. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it was behind the, the, uh, a drugstore on 120th and Des Moines way South in, in, uh, in Boulevard park. And we got a call of a burglary in progress. And I see a guy hanging from the side of a building. When I pull up in the middle of the street, another cop goes behind the building. 
and the guy drops and runs towards the cop. Well, the cop um, goes to pull his gun to tell him to go down. They have an altercation. The cop's gun skips across the sidewalk and I have my shotgun out. And I thought, okay, I can't leave my gun. And I, I can't just lay it in the street. So I, I was, I, in case someone else come off the building and I only had shot with my own shotgun. So right next to it was a tavern called the Flight Path. And behind it was a, a, a narrow strip about three, two and a half, three feet wide, uh, the wall of the building and about an eight foot rockery that went to a parking lot of this tavern uh, or to a bank. And so I'm catching up now as they're, they're fumbling and this one cop runs around one direction after the bad guy. I go around the other end of the building because I know what it is. It's, now we got him in a pickle. And I can't see. It's pitch black. He comes running. And the cop, I found out later what he said to me. He said, he's coming your way. <laughs> I couldn't see him. And so we're this close. And I headbutted him with the, with the butt of that shotgun. Didn't phase him. He grabbed the butt and the barrel of the gun. My hands are in close. I'm trying to protect the trigger. And now I'm looking down the barrel of my, uh, of my gun. And so I kept my head out of the way. I knew what he was going to do. And I got my head out of the way. And shortly, this was like 30 seconds, 35 seconds of fighting, which is an eternity when you're doing it. And he puts his hand on mine, pulls up on the barrel, and it blasts over my face. And, and uh, then... The, the other officer is up on the rockery then, and he says, and we're still fighting with the shotgun, and as he's trying to rack around in the, another round in the chamber, and I'm holding my hands closer together, which I had no leverage on it, and so the uh, cop says, uh, uh, get out of the way. I said, where the hell am I going to go? And I moved my body a little bit, and I said, okay, I'm willing to take an arm shot here. I, I'm, I'm spent, and he shoots the guy twice, and he drops, but he laid that barrel on my arm, and I had powder burns and you know, bleeding from from my arm from uh, from that, but I, that uh, I, I never carried a shotgun again after that <laughs> uh, in my in my car. I didn't want anything to do with one. Uh, wow. But I had I was off for a couple of weeks, um, and I had all I could do to climb back in a police car. Uh, um, but went away. I just okay, stay away from the shotguns, and and I did. Yeah, yeah. So I, I asked a couple more questions as we wrap this up. I asked this to a lot of my guests just because it gives the audience a different kind of feeling on who you are. And, you know, instead of just being a one trick pony law enforcement guy, if you could do if you could do anything, a dream job, and it couldn't be anything with law enforcement negotiation, you know, nothing nonprofit. Is there a dream job that you would love to do someday? Wow. Um, I, I I don't know. I think I've, I I think I'm where I I need to be. I I I mean I uh, do I want to be a, a cruise boat captain or a, uh, and I say you, you got to remember my stage of life and to, to where the kids were, you know, that were were focusing this 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 on is that you know I'm seventy and and uh, I I feel like I'm fifty and and I I keep. Um, I keep that perspective and, and I've, I've just, I don't know if it's that streak, you know, that I 
you know, I, I, I stay focused. You know, I'm, I was married once, divorced, uh, single for 20 years. I've been married to my, my Swiss wife now for 15 years as of last week. And, and, uh, um, you know, I, I'm a grandfather and, and the family side of things is important to me. And, and, and what, what I do, uh, right now is, is important. And, 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 uh, and I, um, I think I, I found my niche and, and to, uh, to make the difference that I want to make. Yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you are, you're not retired, but you chose to get back into this because it's a cause it's what you wanted to do. So you are where you are because yeah. of what you yeah. want. Um, one more question or two more questions. The second to last is um, just because human trafficking is such a, a heavy topic for me and it seems to be a very um, popular one right now, especially with the movie. And how do we, how do we, how do we destroy this? How do we get rid of this problem? I mean, is this something that's always going to be around? I mean, I talked to you a little bit about, you know, if I was in this line of work, I would want to go after the the top of the top guys that, you know, the white collar guys that are funding. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder why those people are still living. Uh, and it would seem that the people on the good side of the fence knows who those people are. And you, you kept talking about doing the right thing and having compassion. And I guess to me, I feel like those people have crossed the line and that's yeah, just, I, that's yeah, just my take, but exactly. how, do, how do you, how do you, Make I mean I don't want to make a dent. Like I see Caviezel often talking about just educating, but like how do we how do we fix this problem? Yeah, good question. And I I uh, um I think um we we there there is a, there is plans out there. I think it, people have to unite. We can't work in silos anymore. You know, I bring the technology side of things and the relationship building with some other governments, and and I think. Um, we end up having to follow the money. And I think the FBI works very well this way, is that they, and not just in human trafficking, just in developing their cases, is that they start a little lower and then expect people to, you know, to work off their, I call it working off their beef, their crime, and 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 to get to the next level. And then it comes to following the money. And I and I think our app, we're getting mid to higher level people. Um uh, that that people will turn will turn on because, like I said, these cultures that we're dealing with, that I mentioned from South Asia through all the way through the to Western Europe are are and into the United States, um, they a lot of them because they have different belief systems and different religions and things like that. Is that they don't um, they don't necessarily like each other. So I'm um, I'm actually hoping that some of them will will um, end up giving us some anonymous tips on on some people that they don't particularly care for too. And I, I think that's coming. That's an interesting thing. You saw, you talked about values. And then the also thing is like, let's say you have this very uh, poor family, you know, and they're just, they're barely able to even buy food. Like there's, you know, you hear about the, the, the mom and dad sending their daughters away to the city to, I mean, I, I can't imagine the mindset of someone wanting to do that. But I think the other thing is sometimes us living in an amazing country, like we do, we may not have the knowledge and lens that a lot of these people in these third world countries have who are in survival mode. And so I suppose if we were in survival mode, not to say we would condone 
trafficking, but we would do things maybe differently. So I think there's probably an education there um, that people need to be aware of. I agree with you. And I think it, you know, in some of these countries too, you know, you, you take a poor farmer in a, in, in a, some country somewhere that's a, a very developing country and, and uh, uh, the traffickers come to them. Oh, you've got three daughters. Let me take them and educate them and, and we'll give you money. And, and they're, 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 they're just not, um, haven't been educated enough or smart enough to know what they're going to do with their daughters or, or sons for that matter. And, uh, or, or the, the other side of that coin is, you know, value of life is different. Oh, okay. Sorry, honey, you have to go with them because, because, uh, um, the rest of us have to eat and they're going to give us money, uh, which is, a uh, unthinkable to me, but, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we know that that happens too. Uh, I'm glad I, I just thought of this with your app, I guess not to pour rain on or water on this or whatever, but I, you know, with technology, I guess one of the things I would think about just because people, you know, with all the, um, identity theft, breaking in the fraud, whatever, how hard is it to keep those texts going to the right people? Like I would think that the criminals and the evil people would find a way to intercept or somehow get access to these texts. How do you, how do you make sure they go into the right hands? Well, it's, it's been, it's been tried. I know well over a hundred times and, and, and they've not been able to get through the firewalls and, and the, the part that, that uh, it's not so much is somebody else trying to hack in the hard part for us is find those trusted policemen, yeah. the, the trusted investigators. We take the tips and filter them to the trusted cop. Our person in in Moldova will take those tips, get them to the get them to the the the, the trusted uh, a cop. Because, like I, I mentioned before, I said if those tips get in the wrong hands, it could be very counterproductive. That's why I'm worried about the, like I mentioned about the South Sudan. I don't want those going. I don't want what we're doing. Uh, to be uh, to, to do anywhere cause more harm by going into the wrong hands. Yeah, I get it. Um, what's your advice as we end this? Anything that you want to say to somebody that's entertaining either law enforcement or maybe they want to pick a cause like human trafficking and devote their life to it in a nonprofit? Any advice that you want to leave the audience with before we end this? Um. I would say, do your research, ensure this is what you want to do. Hopefully come in with an open, caring mindset. And if and the rescue and the, the information part of things that we're working on is different than what the education side of things that, that are happening. So there's several different avenues. Uh, but um, and hey, get a hold of me. Uh, I'm james.fuda at crimestoppers.com. Get a hold of me. I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you one-on-one -on -one if you're interested. I mean, I'll talk to anybody that'll listen to me about, about some of this stuff. So um, if you have any questions, uh, email them to me uh, or, or we can set up a time to talk. I, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Anything else or you feel pretty good? I, I feel good. I appreciate it. Yeah. Jim, thanks so much for coming on. Great. Right.